Hey everyone, and welcome back to another week here on the Foundry Church Podcast. We upload a new message every week, so if you want to be notified every time a new one is posted, make sure to subscribe. You can also keep up with us throughout the week by liking our Facebook page. With all that said, here's the next part in our series called Expecting. Expecting. Right in that video, there's you can just sense the anticipation and expectations that are going to come from that moment. You see, we're in a series in Advent called Expecting, and there's a lot of expectations around this time of year, isn't there? I, I think of when I was growing up, the expectation that the Christmas tree goes out the day after Thanksgiving. Right, The Friday after Thanksgiving, it doesn't go out a minute before. There is no Christmas decorations that come down before then. How many of you grew up like that and you're like, yes, the Christmas tree, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Don't you dare pass up Thanksgiving first. Yeah, I grew up in that household too. And I then got married and I didn't realize that I married a Christmas fanatic. Um, and every year it seems to get earlier and earlier. And this year I found myself looking at the tree on November 1 in the living room. I'm like... What has happened? I didn't even know this was legal to do the, this early. Right? There, there are expectations around the Christmas season. And in the same way, there's expectations around the series we're going to be working through, and specifically today, the idea around mighty God. What does mighty God need? What are some different ways that people hear mighty God? And we're going to start by reading through Isaiah 9, And as we read that, I want you to be thinking about what expectations are on some of these words. Like when there is a coming Messiah, who is he going to be? So be thinking about some of the expectations that revolve around these words. It says this from Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, there's some big expectations there, isn't there? And we all hear things a little bit different. When you hear the word wonderful counselor, what does that mean to you? Is it someone who you can go to that's a really good listener, that you can go to with any problem, and they'll just listen to you? Or is Wonderful Counselor someone you can go to and they have the best advice? They always know what to say and how to guide you in a good direction. Those are kind of two very different people, but could both be Wonderful Counselors. And the same thing with Mighty God. Is it someone you can go to with any problem, no matter how big it is, He's always there. Or, on the opposite end, is it a warrior or a protector and someone who's going, for, going into battle for you? It could be two very different things. And when we hear something, we sometimes can hear it differently than our neighbor or someone around us. Right? I think of this Christmas season and specifically parties. Right? If you would tell someone, we're having a party at 6 o'clock, we'd love for you to come. There's three different types of people, right? You get the people that show up at 5.30 and walk in and say, what can we help with? And you're frantically cleaning something before people get here. And you say, well, it'd be great if you go back to your car and go to your house for a half hour while we finish up, right? You have those types of people. You also have the people who 
will put it on Google Maps, your address, and see what's exactly how far away you live from them and leave at the exact right time. And they'll slow down or speed up depending how traffic is. And they'll pull up right at 6 o'clock on the dot and walk in your door right when you expect. Or there's those type of people who are like, okay, party's at 6. I'm going to leave my house at 6.15. I don't want to be early. I want to make sure that the party is going by the time we're here. We're going to show up with the party. Right? We have different ideas about sometimes the same thing. We can hear 6 o'clock, and that is kind of told in a different way from different people. See, in a similar way, the Old Testament was read by some people back in that day in that kind of way. You see, the people back in that day growing up would study the Bible, and it's not just a class you would take. They would spend a, primary, uh, a large amount of their time in school studying the Scriptures, studying the Old Testament. And as they got along, if they stayed in school long enough, they would actually have the entire Old Testament memorized. So these people would know the Scriptures, right? They would know these prophecies. And if you're unfamiliar with the word prophecy, it's a foretelling or forecast for what's to come. Or you think of the weather and you get a 10-day forecast and we know what could be coming. And in the same way, the prophets would give a prophecy about who is to come and what that might look like. See, in that, in that same way, these people in the Old Testament would be reading these scriptures that they're studying and that they know really well. And they'd put an expectation on these prophecies. They put an expectation on who the coming Messiah was going to be. They would they'd have a mental picture of what that was going to look like. See, there's tons of verses in the Old Testament that are talking about prophecy. And tons of them that say, this is who you should be looking for, and this is what the Messiah is going to be. And there's a few specifically that I want to dive into, but I want you to be listening as I read these verses about who you would be picturing. If you, put your if you put yourself in the time frame of the Old Testament where you're studying the scriptures and know them well, what do you picture when you read from these verses? The first one we're going to read from is Exodus 15. And at this time, the, the Israelites had just been freed from the Egyptians. They'd just been freed from Egypt. Um, they were living under, under the Egyptians of oppression, and they had just been released. So this is some of the words in Exodus 15. It says this, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And in the same way, a few books later, we have a prophet, uh, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has been kind of spreading the news about what the coming Messiah is going to be. And he's given some forecasts for what the lives of the Israelites are going to look like. And he, his message is not coming across to the people. They actually hate Jeremiah. So some of the words he says are, But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. What do you think about? What images come to mind when you read these verses? What about out of Isaiah 42? The Lord will march out like a mighty man, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise his battle cry. 
and he will triumph over his enemies. What do you picture? What kind of Lord do you picture? What Messiah could be coming that you're thinking about? Even from the verse we read right in the beginning out of Isaiah 9 says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Establishing it with justice. What does that mean? What mental image do you picture of the coming Messiah? See, knowing all of these things, put yourself in the story. Are you picturing a warrior? Because if I'm just reading those verses, I, I am. Right? I'm picturing someone who can come conquer and someone who can relieve from the oppression that these people are under. And Jesus, he came in a very different way. Right? We read about his birth, and I want to read a few verses about his birth in Luke to signify what he came as. It says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Think about that situation and that moment in time that Jesus was born into. See, we see that Jesus wasn't born into a place that had a mighty fortress and a mighty army behind it where warriors are trained up to go defeat the enemy. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And what we find about Bethlehem is Bethlehem is actually not really fortified at all. It's not a place where warriors come out of. They're under oppression. So you primarily have carpenters and shepherds and housekeepers. Nothing real important comes out of Bethlehem at this time. You see, in Bethlehem in that day and age and in the surrounding areas, there was a ton of oppression. You see, because a few years earlier, Rome has come in, the Roman Empire has come in and taken control of everything in the surrounding areas. And you don't backmouth Rome. You don't backtalk them. You don't step out of line with Rome because Rome was not afraid to put people on a cross. And it was not an unlikely image for people to be walking the streets and see someone hanging on a cross. There was torture. There was mass murders. There was hangings on cross because Rome wasn't messing around. You see, when people started putting a picture in their mind about who they were praying for and what they needed to come, it's that warrior image, right? It's a very real thing for these people to be praying for a warrior because they needed someone to release them from the oppression that Rome had. You see, Jesus was born into a world that was just living in fear, They're praying for warriors. They had expectations of who this coming Messiah was going to be. And when Jesus was born, especially in the place he was born into, you could say these people had unmet expectations. Right? And that didn't change as Jesus grew up. You don't find Jesus in his teenage years going to 
whatever battle school they would call it, and practicing with swords and knives and learning hand-to-hand combat. Jesus isn't doing that. One of the verses we find him doing in his teenage years is he's actually teaching in the temple. That's not the warrior these people were picturing. And it doesn't stop there either. As Jesus goes off and continues his ministry, one of the groups of people that the Jews would hate most were the tax collectors because they were actually Jews, but they kind of sided with Rome to collect taxes. And they would get wealthy off their own people's money to make sure Rome was getting paid enough. You see, these were some of the very people that they were trying to cut that oppression from. And what does Jesus do in his ministry? He goes and has dinner with these people. Instead of Jesus fighting against these people and raising up people against them, he's eating with them. You see, the reason so many people didn't accept who Jesus was was because they were looking for a Messiah to come with judgment on the people who were oppressing them. But... He came very differently. Right? He came and offered forgiveness and peace instead. It wasn't that they hadn't read the scripture. Remember, these people would know the scriptures. Some of them would have even had it memorized. It wasn't that they didn't know it, but it wasn't that Jesus, Jesus didn't fit their little mold that they had created. Right? This is who we need our Messiah to be, and this is what we need it to look like. And Jesus didn't fit that mold. See, what expectations do we have? If you look back onto your life five years ago, and five years ago yourself would say, in five years, I want my life to be like that, right? Is that different than how you're living now? Right? Are you living a different life then? Maybe you're a student, and in elementary and middle school, you started practicing for a sport and love sports, and then in high school, you ended up getting cut by the team and you thought that maybe sports was something that you could go all the way through and maybe be really good and play in the professional level. See, and then the expectations aren't met. Trust me, I've been there. Coaches don't look for lanky and uncoordinated people. So that's, I've been in that world. See, maybe, maybe you're not in the job you expected you'd be in. Maybe you thought there was a promotion that would be coming Or maybe you thought five years ago that you'd be in a completely different job, but yet you're still grinding at what you're doing. Or maybe your family looks different than you imagined it would. Maybe by now you thought there'd be little little ones running around the house. Or maybe you look at the dinner table with friends and family and see an empty chair that wasn't empty a few years ago. Maybe your family looks different than you expected it would. Or maybe as simple as five years ago, you thought you'd have more hair on your head now, and yet it's all seemed to be disappearing, right? (laughs) How do we feel when we're let down and our expectations are not met? Or what feelings do we have? Disappointment? Frustration? Do you get upset and angry at what's going on? See, we often want and we pray for a very specific thing. And when God doesn't answer in that specific way, we get some of those emotions. We get upset. We get disappointed. And often we wonder, where even is God then? Sometimes 
we even completely miss him because he's actually doing something really cool, but we're only looking right here and what we expect. See, this was actually really personal for me about a year ago. I was in a job that I loved. I loved the kids I was working with. I was a youth pastor in Byron Center. I just loved the students and loved building relationships with parents and some people in the congregation. And one of my favorite things, especially this time of year, would be when there's going to be a bunch of snow in the forecast, I would text all the students the night before and say, if there's a snow day, we're watching movies all day at church. So if you can't go to school because it's too unsafe to drive to school, make sure you drive to church because we're going to hang out at church and watch movies all day. I, I was so excited about snow days. I watched it just as much as a kid would like, oh, can we have a movie day all day, right? I loved building relationships with students. And I started, um, as I was doing that, I started getting a sense that God was pushing me in a different direction, that there was a different calling in my life that I had a different purpose. Not that student ministries wasn't enough of a purpose, but it just felt like God was steering me in a different direction. And I shared that with my wife, and she started praying about it. And I didn't know it, but we, we went on a date night about a week and a half, two weeks ago to Kilwins um, to get ice cream, because why not get ice cream when it's 20 degrees out? So we were eating ice cream inside, and she was sharing with me that she had started a prayer journal a few years ago, and she was looking back on it, and she was praying about those moments that I was sharing with her about purpose and calling. And this, um, a year ago from yesterday, so December 7, she wrote this in her prayer journal. Um, She said, I pray that you give Matt what he needs to push him and guide him in the direction you have planned for him and for us. I pray what you have in store for Matt is that he uses those gifts and helps him feel such a purpose for his job that it's nothing we could even dream of for ourselves. See, she continued to have entries like that for a few months. And this past February, so about three months after that first journal entry, God showed up, but we completely missed him. You see, we were praying for a very specific thing, and we wanted God to show up in this specific way, and he didn't, and we missed him. You see, all of a sudden, I found myself in a job that had an end date with no options for furthering stuff going on at South Harbor. See, I found myself looking around at students and parents and thinking the five or six years of relationships that I had built with them was all going to come crashing down because I wouldn't be seeing them on a weekly basis anymore. I challenged God. I said, why are you doing this to me? There was, for months, we wrestled with God. See, we wrestled with where he was. We couldn't see him anywhere. Why would he be doing this? If he wanted me in ministry, why would he be uprooting me so violently? Why is there so much pain? Why would you make me go through so much pain of this? See, it wasn't until a few weeks ago that Jalen was reading through her old prayer journals and realized that those moments of so much pain and agony that we were feeling in early spring that we'd actually asked for those things. See, but then God opened a door, and that door was at the foundry. 
and I got a chance to preach, and I got a chance to spend time with Eric and Erica and develop some content for stuff and work with Devos. And uh, this past fall, I got to spend time with some young adults in profession of faith asking questions about who God is and where he is. You see, my wife prayed for me to find a purpose and a calling in what I was doing. She wanted me to find a purpose, and it took wrestling with God. You see, she wanted me to find a purpose that was pleasing and glorifying to God, and it took some heartache to get there. And when God showed up, we missed him because it was in a very unexpected way. And isn't that kind of like how Jesus showed up, though? Right, if you think about how Jesus came into this world, these people were under the oppression of Rome and under some brutality that Rome was giving them. And what were they asking for? They were asking for a savior, someone to come save the world. And what did Jesus come as? He came as a savior, absolutely. But he wasn't coming, he, he wasn't coming like they pictured. He was coming to save their eternal souls. See, they were asking for a king someone to reign over them, and Jesus came as the king of kings, someone to protect everything, right? They asked for a protector, someone to save them from the brutality of Rome, and Jesus came to save their eternal spirits. See, I don't know where you're at right now, and I don't know where you're at with your journey of expecting things. Maybe you're in the beginning and something very unexpected happens, and you have a hard time finding where God is in that moment. Maybe you're in the middle of it, and you can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel where something might be opening up. You're not sure if that's what God wants you to do, but you're kind of walking in that direction. Or maybe you're towards the end, and you can look back now and think, oh my word, this, this is where God showed up. Right, I, I had this plan, but he actually showed up in this way, and it's opened up so many doors that I would never have dreamed of. See, what I do know, regardless of where you're at in your journey, is that we cannot focus on the letdown. Don't focus on the letdown of what things are going on in your life, but focus on what he is doing. See, I remember going for dinner shortly after I was told that I wouldn't have a job much longer with a couple from South Harbor. Um, and they had spent a ton of time with me and my wife. They were kind of a, an older mentor for us. And they went on some of the trips for youth with us, and we really looked up to them. And we went to Pete's Bar and Grill in Byron Center, because why not Pete's Bar and Grill? And uh, we, they didn't know what was going on yet. And uh, when we got there, I kind of just, they, they asked, hey, how's everything going? And I just lost it. And I told them what was going on at church, and I told them that I don't know where God is in this moment. I don't know what to do. I thought I was going to be here forever, and now my world is just crashing down on me. See, and what they said has stuck with me. See, they, they said, I know how painful this might be. I know how awful this may feel right now, but God is doing something crazy in your life right now. And I thought, no, no, you don't understand. This is really dumb. I don't think God is even in this moment right now. There's no way he could be working in this mess. 
And yet they said, God is there. We cannot wait to see what is going to happen in your lives. Don't focus on the letdown. See, in that moment, I was so focused on, we, we asked for something specific, and God literally took that very thing away and left me with nothing. We were asking for that, and we were so focused on the letdown that we were so blinded by what he was actually working through on the side. You see, don't focus on the letdown. Focus on what he's doing. Here's a question I want you to ask yourselves. Do you reject God when he doesn't show up as you expected? Do you reject God when he doesn't show up as you expected? See, I think of an image after Jesus is done doing his ministry and he's healed the sick, right? He's caused the blind to see. He's raised people from the dead, right? He's done his ministry. He's shown who he is and the Messiah he has come to be. And the people have rejected him. And he finds himself on a stage next to Pilate and a mass murderer. And Pilate doesn't find anything wrong with Jesus. But the people in front of him are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. You see, Jesus was rejected because he didn't come as everyone expected. See, and what we find is that Jesus, Pilate doesn't actually know what to do, so he just releases Jesus to the crowd. And the crowd takes him, and the crowd crucifies him. Because they were asking for a king. They were asking for a savior. They were asking for a protector. And even though Jesus was all of those things, they didn't match how the people wanted those things answered. So they rejected him. So they crucified him. See, Jesus was a warrior. He was a protector. It was just over their eternal hearts that they couldn't even see how big of a deal this was going to be. See, what's fascinating is the person standing next to Jesus, the mass murderer, was named Barabbas. And if you know anything about Barabbas, he was a man who murdered tons of Romans. Right? He was known to be as a zealot. And zealots were kind of an underground organization that were trying to raise up against Rome. And the way they would do that is they'd silently kill any Roman soldier that they could and quietly disappear. Now Barnab- uh, Barabbas had been in and out of jail because he'd been caught a few times for doing this. And the crowd decides to release Barabbas and crucify Jesus because Barabbas actually kind of fit that mold a little better. That he fit someone who would try and fight for them. A mass murderer fit their mold because that's who they thought was going to save them. See, we actually don't know much about Barabbas after this event. We don't know what actually happens to him, but we know that Jesus is continued to be rejected and crucified on a cross. Here's a question I want to ask you. Do you reject God when he doesn't show up as you expected? See, do you get angry? Do you get frustrated? Do you get upset? And instead of leaning on God, you lean on the worldly idea of what you think it's supposed to be. 
your mental image that you have prepared for what the rest of your life is looking like. Right? When you get upset that your prayers don't get answered in the way you want them to, do you turn to an addiction? Or do you turn to some friends who will give you advice, even though it's advice that's heading you away from God? Well, at least it's a, a direction, right? That They're heading in a direction. At least I'm not just sitting here waiting for God to answer this specific prayer. Right? Do we reject God when he doesn't answer us in the way we expect? Because listen to me when I say this. He is there. And he will show up. Trust me, I know firsthand I challenged God and I wrestled with what was going on in my life. And if I even was supposed to be in ministry anymore, I didn't know where Jesus was in those moments. And yet, he was answering my prayer in a way that I could never imagine. You see, I have never felt more of a calling and more of a purpose than I do today. And it's because he actually answered exactly what I needed, but... The, the image I was thinking of, the specific prayer I wanted, wasn't even big enough for the way God wanted to answer. See, when things get hard, when things are unexpected in our lives, instead of leaning on the worldly things and trying to plan things out on our own, what would happen if we leaned on God? See, what would happen if we leaned on Him, even if we don't know where He is? How do you do that? It's getting into devotions. Right? It's literally knowing who he is, and that's a way you can figure out how to find him easier. It's getting invested in a group because if I didn't have Mike and Pam in my life to tell me, no, God is there. God is working in your life. You just can't see it. I'd, I don't know where I'd be. Right? It, get into a group of people where, you, where they can live into your life and you can say, this this crap happened in my life and I don't know where God is and I'm really upset right now and I don't see him anywhere. Sometimes we can get so foggy with the things going on in our life that we can't find God. And we need people in our life to tell us, oh, just hang on, he is there. Help them figure out where God is in your life. Get invested in a group. You see, we have a mighty God. Listen to this last thing. We have a mighty God, and he is there in our unmet expectations, regardless of if we know where to look. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the way you spoke through Isaiah and gave him the words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And I thank you for all the different meanings that those words can have and the implications that those can have on our life. But I ask that as we think about our own life, that we never lose sight of how mighty you are, how mighty our God is. And I ask that in those times where our life is foggy and busy and we're confused about what's going on, that we know that you're still there and you're still present. And you may just be answering in a different way than we expected. We ask that you're with us in all things that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. One of my favorite things about Scripture is how honest it is. 
Right? As Jesus is into his ministry, some of John the Baptist's disciples come up to him and say this, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Uh, no, I, I am the one. Yep, I'm right here. I'm coming now. But that's often the question, is it? Right? Isn't that the question we're asking? Lord, is, is this you working in my life this way or are you working in my life this way? Where are you in my life? I want you to understand through this whole thing, get the point across that he is there. In the unexpected, in the expected, he is there. Sometimes it's just hard to see what he's doing. If you would like to talk to someone today about expectations that are going on in your life and you're having a hard time finding where God is, we'd love to pray with you at the prayer stations. Um, We also have devos in the back. We'd love for you to get into the word this week as we continue to look at what expectations mean in our lives. So go with this final blessing as you go out into the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're looking for a way to prepare yourself for next week's, you can visit us at foundrychurch.net and find our weekly devotions. Being in God's word every day is part of what we call our weekly rhythm here at the Foundry. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next week.